0: You're listening to Selfish the Podcast. This is the place where we make much ado about you. I'm your host, Allie Martin. Thanks for joining me. episode I interview a previous classmate of mine Craig Willard he is now doing some big things he is owner of Craig Willard coaching where he works with athletes novice to pro leaders and people that want to actualize dreams and goals and become mentally strong not to mention he's a single dad to a precious nine-year-old daughter
1: here's the thing about this NBA you know we both went to, obviously to the same school and I I didn't know what to expect when I when I accomplished this goal, I mean it was a really good goal, but uh, it it really left me a little um, with with more to to want for, and mm-hmm. so I realized that the NBA really wasn't going to really do a lot for me. It was a good education, and it was nice to have a master's, but okay. um, and so if I fast forward a little bit, I, I'm a director for for an IT department at a hospital, and I was really begging for more help. Uh, a lot of directors and many people that listen to this may be able to relate, but we're given positions to coach and mentor our staff, uh, teach them uh, how to do development goals and performance management plans. But the problem is, is they don't teach us how to do it. They just say, hey, go do it. And so you have this broad range of really good people, that, you know, people that can do it really well and people that can. So I actually how this all really started was I asked my former director to pay for some coaching classes for me. And he kind of was like, well, let's just wait. Cause we're going to have this director's meeting and we're going to talk about strength finders. And I said, okay, great. And I just hung the phone up, but, People that know me know that's not enough. I, I'm, I say fine, I'm just going to do this myself. And so I got into coaching. I learned at that point, this was several years ago, but I learned about life coaching. And so I went and got certified in life coaching. That kind of transformed into being, uh, trained by a name, by a guy named Dr. David Kruger on, uh, New Life Story, which is this, this, um, it's quantum physics, psychology. It's understanding why we do what we do. It's, it's all these things about how we do what we do and then how to change that to move forward with a new life story, and that kind of pushed me into learning about psychology, and what's funny is in my undergrad at Midway, is uh, the same college for my master's, I recognized that I hated sociology, and just six years later, I'm like, loving. I can't get enough psychology, and so – and, and that's what really coaching is, is, is about, is the psychology of you know, human behavior and things of that nature. But uh, fast forward, so I'm starting to do coaching. I'm learning about coaching. I'm starting to apply that to my employees. It's working really well. I'm learning about something called self-determination theory, which is uh, those internal motivators of humans. Um, uh, Daniel Pink wrote a book called Drive, which I absolutely recommend. But And, and it talks about those human intrinsic motivators. But um, moving from there… Uh, I had a conversation with a friend, and I was just asking her about she was going to become a a counselor. And I said, well, don't you have a business background? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, how are you getting a master's in science when you have a business degree? And she goes, well, it's real easy. And I said, what? <laughs> Why do I not know this? And so I immediately investigated it and found out that I can go back to school for anything. did. I mean I always thought in order to have a psychology Masters, you want a psychology undergrad, but that 's sure. not really how it works, and okay. i didn 't know that I never inquired about it, but as soon as I did, I said, "Oh my gosh, I want to do psychology. I want to mm-hmm. get my doctorate in psychology because that 's what matters to me as I coach people as I started this coaching practice the the coaching from my my staff turned into coaching for other people. I want to know more what can I do to help other people? How can I learn?" Really challenging information from the psychology industry and turn it into something very simple that anyone can consume and change their life. And so uh, I I looked around for different schools and found uh, – first I found Capella and ended up actually switching from Capella University to Grand Canyon University, which is an actual university. But I am working on my PhD in psychology with an emphasis in industrial and organizational psychology, which is – basically the human uh human behavior in the workplace you know making sure you know why people are motivated performance um how to how to improve the performance of humans in the workplace organizational structure and things of that nature but that's kind of how you know in a in a r- as quick synopsis as i could make it that's kind of how that evolved and it evolved really really quick and here i'm about halfway through my doctorate and i just wow. added that i signed a book deal uh 3 weeks ago that I'll Yay. have a um, have, I'll have a book published in about uh, maybe six or seven months. Wow so it just it just keeps going you know I, I just don't stop and that's to me when you're passionate about something, you know I always said there's a difference between purpose and passion purpose is what I'm doing and, the, and the why what is the you know why am I doing what I'm doing that's my purpose, but the passion that's the speed at which I go and when I go, my passion for this is so strong that you know, none of this feels like work to me. It's just another, another one of my fun days.
0: Well, maybe it really is the passion that's driving you because anybody that spends any amount of time around you knows that you know, when you go for something, you're, you're full force ahead. You're not looking back. But you know, think about when you were jumping into all these various projects you know, really at the core of it, what were you afraid of? Don't, and don't say you weren't afraid because I'm sure on the outside it looked like that, but I'm sure there's some, there was something in the back of your mind or some doubt or fear that was, um, you know, just playing, playing over and over in the back of your mind as you were, as you were contemplating jumping into these things.
1: Well, I'll give you two things. One, I haven't really told a lot of people this, but, uh, uh, So I have this internalized mantra that plays on – it's it's on repeat. It's all the time, and that mantra is I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out, and it has kept me moving in all directions. Whenever I need to shift, I shift, and I go, I'll figure it out. I have not – and I say this, but I, and, I, and I'll add to this in a minute, but as I was actually talking to my mom one day, I said, you know, I have this vision in my head that when I was a kid, I remember – because I said I've had – I'm starting to see this mantra play over and over and over and over again. And I said when I was a kid, I, I got this impression in my mind that when I learned how to ride a bicycle, I really didn't – it wasn't like I was trained. … to ride a bicycle with training wheels. I said I had this vision in my mind that I literally got on my bicycle, and two people – I don't know who they were. They just pushed me, and all I remember and, is my, myself saying, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'm not going to fall. I'll figure this out. Mm-hmm. And so when I re- referenced that back to my mom, you, just this big old smile on her face, and she goes… That's absolutely what happened. And she goes, do you want to know who those two people are? And I said, no. She goes, that was me and your dad, and that is exactly what happened. Wow. And so that mantra from even, I don't know, I was five or six years old, sure. has stayed with me and has kept me from really uh, – it's minimized a lot of my fear to not be afraid to just go at whatever I'm going to do. I mean I just made a huge, advance, uh, you know, a huge, huge um, financial – um, investment in this book, but I said, you know what? I'm gonna figure it out. I'll make it happen. <laughs> However, now on the other side of this, look, I have to be really honest. You know, coaching is a passion of mine. And um I, I'm often known as the funny guy that likes to laugh a lot and, and make stupid jokes. And, and there was a little bit of a concern of mine if I would ever be taken seriously enough. You know, uh, and, and part of it is is you don't want to be too serious, but you want to know you know, I want to know that People see that what I provide is a value to them and not as a joke and so that you know if I had really had a fear of it it was from the coaching industry it wasn't from the schooling there wasn't any of that I always figured that out it was just more of that you know we all want acceptance to some level and we all want you know honestly I mean I, I do the I do this stuff a to to help other people but it you know it helps me too and so I had that selfishness to say I'm helping other people because at the end. Truly, it does help me as well, and and that fear of that actually not happening was was you know it was it was there. I, yeah. I I I processed it and I said I'm doing this anyway because it's for the greater good. I'm going to do it anyway, and I'll, it's going to happen and, and it will work. And it did, it did. So right. I, I kind of I guess I kind of answered it, but kind of not. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, going to
0: dance around that question, Craig. <laughs> well.
1: Um, I, tend, I don't have a lot of fears, you know. I, you know, I, I, I just—I. Um, You'll I, figure it out. Well, people, and I'm, maybe I'm a little bit of a different breed of sorts when it comes to that. But you know, I, I coach on this stuff, and one of the things that I think is so important as a coach is to practice what you preach. So the methodologies that I teach in my coaching—they're very much what I I apply in my life, and and I. Uh, do we have limiters? Do we have fears? Yes. But do I allow them to really control me? No, not to my conscious ability, because if it's something that's fear, that's where I need to be because that's where I'm going to learn.
0: Hmm. Well, and obviously it was a good thing you didn't listen to those fears because sure. plenty of people have taken you seriously and trusted you. But you know, when you jumped into this coaching world, what was the biggest surprise you encountered?
1: It's a lot of work. It's not easy. You know that I am I, dead serious. I don't know how many people will come up to me and go, "Well, I can be a coach," and I think, "Yes, you could." Are you willing to put forth the work? Hard work. You know, you don't just become a coach because you've lived. You've lived your life. The problem with coaching is that you don't meet people where you are. You meet people where they are. They are, and the only way that you can do that is to uh, to the best of your ability. Become knowledgeable and educated on how other people perceive things so that you can attempt to coach someone from their location. It is a lot of work to be, Mm -hmm. to stay on top of, you know, current trends about, you know, what's a new, you know, I'm always looking for a new tool, a new trick, a new tip, something that I can provide to my clients to help them have the greatest life they've ever thought they could ever have. I mean 10 times what they ever thought they could have. And the only way to do that is to work really, really hard. If anyone knows me, I don't watch movies very often. I watch documentaries on happy. That's a really good one. I am. both are on Netflix. Um, you know, people, most people have probably watched or many people have watched. I am guru. I'm, a, I'm not your guru, which is a Tony Robbins thing. I read books that make a difference in, in my life and others lives. And I, and am constantly in a state of learning in that realm. So it's nonstop. It is nonstop. That's mm. the biggest piece.
0: Well, you obviously don't have a lot of time for yourself when you have all these things going on. But this show is about taking time out for yourself, setting goals, living your passions, which you are a testament to. <laughs> but, you know, from your studies and from working with your clients, what have you found to be the biggest indicator – That someone will actually achieve their dreams or their goals.
1: You know, that's a good one. I, it's hard to really tell if people will do it or not. But I think one of the big definers of seeing an individual who will be able to achieve is one that makes the right – you see them making the right decisions about their activities, and what they end up doing is they choose the activity which drives them closer to their goal versus Mm -hmm. away from their goal. The people that really do succeed, the people that really achieve everything that they've ever wanted – have made a conscious decision that they will go and become educated because they want to become an they they want to become a professor, and they choose that over the temporary joy of going out and having a beer with a friend or playing the PlayStation for four hours last night. They consciously choose things that get them closer to their goal, and when you see that, you know it you're like. Hey, do you want to go out and have a drink? And they say, No, I need to go home. I really want to get into this, this studying. I've got some things to do. I need to, I need to get my grades where they're supposed to be because I don't want to become a professor. You're like, you're going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's really easy for people to take the the high road and go, Yeah, yeah, I think I'll just, uh, you know, I'll go have some fun for a few minutes. I'll, you know, that's a selfish time. And there is parts to where you do that, but the, you, the big achievers that you see this unrelentless work ethic is is what's so, um, it, it's a really fascinating thing when you see it.
0: Well, and and your Facebook page tells that story to a T because you are always posting um, your your coaching advice and you have a lot of great videos and content that you share out with your followers and friends. Um, So I want to share something that I found on your Facebook recently. You said the self-help industry is an $11 billion industry. How crazy is that? Want to know why? Because 98% of the people that read self-help material will agree with it, but never apply it. Here's the challenge. Make it a rule. Apply them, and your life will get instantly better. I dare you to prove me wrong. So, although this show probably falls under that self-help category, talk to us about why that happens.
1: (laughs) But it's so true. So, uh, you know, A... It's work. You know, it so uh, A, it is work, B, it is certainty, and C, it is uncertainty. And so, in the world where, for example, you're in a bad relationship, and you will, you will more than likely, until you have established enough pain in it that you have no choice, you will stay in that relationship because at least. It might be bad, but you know what you get tomorrow. At least there's some sense of assumed certainty with it. However, if I leave the relationship as my meme tells me, leave those people who treat you and you know treat you bad, whatever. Um, if I follow that, that means I become single, and if I become single, that means I could become lonely, and I don't want to die lonely. I, I just don't want to. So I would, or rather, take the assumed unfortunate certainty that I don't like over the potentially Um, deadly uncertainty of being alone and die that way. So Mm -hmm. if that makes sense, it's more of people will stay where they're at because at least they know what they're getting tomorrow. Fear. Fear really is a big indicator of Someone's willingness to drive. Now, there's a lot of other theories that go along with. Well, you know, there's, you know, some people, uh, even Tony Robbins, will talk about the the pleasure, the pleasure principle is what they call it. But it's, uh, you know, we're seeking pain or uh, avoiding. I'm sorry, we're seeking pleasure and avoiding pain, and whichever one becomes the strongest. That's what we will stick to, and if they're able to find a little bit of pleasure in those moments, or you know also people will you know, the good thing about people is we like to assume the best in others. You know, I know what he can be, and so I'll stay with him because he could become that, instead of sure. saying, "I have to date him for who he is. Am I okay with who he is right now? And if I'm not, then I have to leave. But if I leave, now we're back to uncertainty again, and I'm not sure what tomorrow brings. But as they say, you you can't have you know you can't get what you want by holding on to what you don't want, and so that that, and and that's kind of in a relationship perspective. But I think that's really why most people don't. And and you see the same thing in the diet industry too. You know these quick fixes and things of that nature, and so they go and they get this because they say, hey, this is the perfect thing. This one pill is going to do it all, but it doesn't because on the other side of it, it's hard work. It's the only way it's going to happen. You got to work your butt off and. In the world of self-help, it's no different. When you create behaviors and these beliefs and these habits of negative thinking and stuff, it's really hard to pull yourself out of there. And you tell yourself it's really hard to pull yourself out of there. And that that um, that mindset of it is hard makes you go. It's uh, it, it, it's, it's going to take too much energy for me. I'll just sit here and just be me. I'll just deal with the situation as it is because at least I know what I'm getting tomorrow.
0: Well, I mean. Speaking of diets, you don't only work with normal people and leaders, but you work specifically with athletes too. Um, when you are working with any of these groups, what are the three pieces of advice you would give to them or anyone else that's looking to just start their goal? They they have their goal in their in their head, but they just don't know how to get started. <laughs>
1: work, work, work. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, I, and I'm serious. And I, and I,
0: Rihanna song <laughs> inserted here.
1: Yeah. here's why I say this: we're always looking for the right time to do it. Oh, I'll just wait till next week. I'll no wait till next month. Oh, I, oh, it's Thanksgiving. You know, is in a week, and I really probably shouldn't change my meal, my diet right now because Thanksgiving's coming. I'll just wait until after Thanksgiving. You know, one day, and you know, one day isn't a day. Someday doesn't. There, there's not a someday on your calendar. The problem is, is people look for the right time to start. And the right time to start is right now, you know as they I don't know if you heard this this statement, but they say you know the the best time to to plant a tree was twenty years ago. The next mm-hmm. best time to plant a tree is right now
0: hmm.
1: because right now is it, it's it. this is where we're at, and if you want to make a difference, you have to start with today and that starts with that's with athletics, that's with being a leader, that's with just being a good person in general. It starts with being that right now. Hey, I don't know what that's like, but I'm going to attempt to. Uh, you know, if, and if it's if it's something that you've never done before, and and you have this overwhelming feeling, it's you know, there's 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 tons of books, there's tons. I mean, YouTube is a great place to learn about stuff. Uh, you can start. You know, if you're afraid to go into a gym, it's finding a friend to go with you. It's you know, maybe starting to work out at home. Find videos. There's tons of videos on YouTube that are home. Training programs that you could, that are just free, just grab one of them and start working. You know, um, res, respect the fact that it's going to be tough. That's that's anything we ever want in life is tough. Anything. If you ever walk to something so easily that it caused you no effort when you accomplish it, you look back and you say that was worthless. What we really want, what we really find success in, is the things that are challenging for us and are almost a bit out of reach. 're they're, they're almost semi sort of unrealistic A perfect example is I had a client that um, when I first met with her she had a lot of negative negative self-talk she was she just couldn't believe she can do anything and she was debating uh, wa- she was debating a 3k and she was like I don't even think I can do a 3k. And so we went through some things, and we we talked about goal, you know, how you can set a goal and how you you achieve the goal because you set it, you write it down, and then you put some specific times to it that you that you hold yourself accountable to it, or you hold have a a friend help you be accountable to it. And she ended up not only did she she made the 3K, she did the 5K, and then she started talking about the half marathon. It it was a thing that she thought at one point was impossible. she goes, I don't even think I can do a 3K. I don't even think I can even walk one. And so when I when I talked to her and I said, go – just go do – just go walk the mileage. And when she finally actually did it, she realized that it was actually within her ability. But she didn't give herself the opportunity because she didn't work, and the work meaning go do. And I, I have an Instagram account, and the other day I, one of my memes was nothing but do. You have to act. Goals – any of those things are meaningless if you don't put action to them and drive towards them. They're just pipe dreams.
0: Man, you've got me over here starting my to-do list, <laughs> but it, it has to be today apparently. So You
1: need to act. Well, because tomorrow <laughs> something else will come up. I mean, how busy is your life? It's busy, right? When we use this term so freely, the reality of it is you have to make time. If it's important to you… You'll make time. You'll
0: make the time for
1: it. If it's – if you won't make time for it, you need to debate the goal. You probably don't have a very strong why. You probably don't care about it, or you care about it in the sense of a social aspect but not as a personal internalized desire of your own. If it's if it's internalized and it's desired by you strong enough, you're unstoppable. You're absolutely unstoppable.
0: Well, and when all that work is done, it's time to be selfish. So for anyone for anyone that follows you on Facebook, they know you have a hot tub because you any any of your free time, which I'm not even sure how you have any of that. That's where you spend it. Yep. So other than that, how are you selfish, Craig?
1: Well, I think we're all selfish to some level. Um and probably more selfish than we probably would admit. Uh, you know, I get a lot of energy from helping other people. So I help them and then it is returned back to me and that's my side selfishness of coaching is that it all it makes me feel good too i, I can't i can't be dishonest about that and, and many people may not admit that from a coaching perspective but it is absolutely there but you know i use the analogy of uh, when i talk about effort and things of this nature uh, when people give And they don't take care of themselves. They run dry. And when they run dry, they say, I have to give, 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 give. I have to give, 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 give because it's not about me. It's about everyone else. And the next thing you know, they get sick. And now they can't help anyone any longer because they aren't energized. And so I use the analogy of a cordless drill, and I say, let's imagine a cordless drill. You have a brand-new battery. you You put it on the cordless drill, and you put it up in the air, and you just pull the trigger, and you hold it. And you hold it, and you hold it, and you continue to hold it. And eventually what happens? It dies. It mm-hmm. – it, and it stops. What do you have to do? Recharge. You've got to re, you gotta recharge it so that it can provide help to other people. It can provide help to yourself. And so selfishness is that recharge. It's taking time for you to do something that you love to do in my – so I, maybe I'm in a little bit of a different situation because I love to coach, and I love to learn about coaching, and I learned to love about psychology. So that's my passion, and that's what drives me, in, and I don't have a problem with having to you know pull away separate time. But for other people that don't have that, it's finding time in your day. For me, it's going, hey, I'm done writing today. I'm going to have me time, and I'm going to go get in my hot tub, and I might even not—I might not even turn the TV on. I'm just going to sit in the hot tub, and I'm just going to enjoy a little bit of bliss, mm-hmm. and that's going to be my recharge. And I get out, and I'm so happy and excited, and I'm energized because I've taken time for myself. Because I do love to give back to other people, and most of your motherly individuals are like that—they always focus on everyone else. But it, what they realize if they think about it long enough is they end up burning their own batteries until the quality of what they're able to help is so small it's they, – they need to stop. And I say your help is not helping because you're tired and you're getting sick, and you're having to go to the hospital because your energy is so drained. You can't even fight off a common cold, and now it's turned into something much larger than that. So you know, mine come in different fashions. Um, you know, I I enjoy uh, you know, watching UK sports that, that pulls me away. You know, I enjoy uh, being in my hot tub and you know spending time with my family, my friends, my daughter. We so my so I have um, my selfish time, and I have mm-hmm. my daughter's time. So mm-hmm. the rule that I have lived with from the time that she was born is until she's asleep, I'm on her time. That's her time. When she goes to bed. That's Daddy's time, and I yes. can do whatever I want for as long as I want to, because that's my time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I do that regularly, but I don't do it at the expense of, you know, total disconnect from people and things like that. I think there's an extent where you go too far, but selfishness is very, very, you know, it's a kind of a, it's not a, a socially, um always in a socially accepting word, but it's very powerful in allowing yourself to recharge so that you can c- continue to give back to this planet. Uh, everything
0: in moderation, right?
1: Everything, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so is there anything you wish you could be doing more of?
1: Um, I wish I didn't have to sleep as much.
0: <laughs> you wish you had more awake time I wish I had and more, less yeah. sleep time? No, <laughs> so I yeah. would think it would be the other way around.
1: <laughs> no, you know, I, I if, if there was a way that I could figure out how to, how to sleep about three hours a day. I, there is an insane amount of stuff I could get done that I want. that I literally want to get done? It's different when you don't want to do it. When you want to do it. When you want to have time to. You know. Um. You know. I, I'm doing. I have a. I'm doing this new process with my book that's not the common process because the time constraints that it takes to write write a book out and then go try to sell it is it's it's too much time and I, and I don't have that to give so. You know, having two or three hours. Other than that, I wish you know I, I had my daughter fifty percent of the time, and let's be honest, I'd love that. I wish I had her more. I wish I had her every day. I wish I, I mean, literally, I wish she was here every single day. And as a single guy sitting in a in a house with with my dog Princess, you know, when she's gone, it's a bit <laughs> quiet. So uh, I love the energy that she brings. So.
0: Well, how do you balance everything?
1: Um, prioritize often. I change priorities probably. 10 or 15 times a day, just because I, uh, you know, something comes up and I have to, uh, it, it's the juggle, right? So it's the, I throw a ball up in the air because it's got to process and do something. And so I go, okay, what do I need to do now with this? And so I'll work on this while the other one's still in the air waiting to be processed. And then when it comes back down, I, I work on that and it, it's a, it's always, I'm always juggling. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I I choose priorities and I and I make them often. I don't I'm not so hard-coded with a specific priority that I don't – I won't let go of it. Uh, everything – again, it's moderation, so it's making sure that you prioritize uh, your own time, your you know, your alone time. Um, we all want to be connected, but we also need time for ourselves to think and just process the day. I mean I don't know how many times I just, just go on the couch and look at the TV, and the TV's off, and I just sit there. And next thing you know, it's it's an hour and a half later, and I haven't done
0: anything because
1: I just processed – a lot of things that have been going on around me. So that's set, juggling. That's
0: why that selfish time is so valuable.
1: It's, it, it's critical. And, and it I absolutely love it. But, um, you know, for the sake of balancing, it's just to juggle and allow the day to flow instead of forcing it. You know, the day will flow and, you know, know what you need to do and, and, and work on those things. Work on what's most important and, you know, relationships and, and, uh, relationships, always, uh, to me, it's always relationship over career. It's making sure that my family's in, you know, in good position, and uh, my daughter has the time that she needs. And um, I definitely have a family first um, plan, and I stick to it, and that helps me balance. So that when I work really, really hard, I come home and I get to see my smiling face of my daughter. I mean, who doesn't want that? <laughs>
0: Well, and that advice has obviously served you well. So, um, <laughs> keep that keep that up. But you you've teased that you have the book coming out, and you yeah. um you know you have another podcast coming out. So, what else is next for Craig?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know. That's been a really interesting um, debate over the last probably two or three months. Uh, two months ago, a book wasn't even on, on my on my radar. Uh, it, it just timing. You know, sometimes timing just just says, hey, here's an opportunity, I think. And, and you think about it, you say, I just need to take that. And so I, I have been quite open about the future. Um, coaching is really my thing, uh, and it's what I really love. And if, if I ever found a point to where uh, I did that as a career and was able to you know, sp- do speaking engagements, that's kind of where I'd like to be uh, at some point in my future. So that's that's really kind of the premise of the book is to, to show – Side of me that only my coaching clients see, and what what I have, you know, what I offer, and, and how I I do things a bit differently than than anyone else. And of course, that's kind of that uniqueness of every human being. But uh, you know, I I don't know. But what I have made a decision to say is, I will never ever look at an open door without thinking, you know. It, does this feel right to me? And I'm a, and I'm big in, into the to instincts and to gut feelings. And so when I look at an opportunity, I, I'm going to fully vet it out. And I'm going to say, is this is this where I want to be? And if it feels good, I'm going to go. I'm going to say I'll figure it out, and I'm going to go. So, but at the end, you know, I really want my coaching. My the intention is to expand my coaching program, uh, so I can serve more people, so I can help more people, and um, be some sort of medium for them. To get where they, if you know, essentially want to be, they just don't have the, the tools capable, you know, within their their tool belt or within their box to 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 achieve those things. And and as long as I'm doing that, really, as long as I'm giving to to, to, the, to the greater good, to things that are much larger than me, um, I'm pretty happy. And to me, I feel like a winner. I just feel I feel like I'm a winner because I, I do what I love every day.
0: I have a feeling that will continue.
1: Uh, I hope so. <laughs>
0: Well, congratulations on everything. Thanks. Best of luck with your future endeavors. And I'm really excited to see what the future holds for you. So thank you so much, Craig, for, for coming on the show. And,
1: and I wish you all the success with your, your new podcast. It's, I know it's going to be amazing. known you for a really long time. I get to shout out for you that you are an amazing soul, and I cannot wait to see what your future holds for you, too.
0: We're we're in this together, so thank you, Craig. You're
1: welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: I should mention, Craig's book is now out and available. Visit craigwillard.com to learn more. You've been listening to Selfish. You can find show notes on selfishthepodcast.com. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend about Selfish and make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.